course, now I can't figure out how to actually record. Should be a big red button. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that um, oh, yeah. Overcast? Is Overcast? Yes. Yeah. It um, For the Apple Watch is like an independent app. So someone was talking on Reddit today about why the watch has clicked with him is that he can go on a jog <clears throat> and use the AirPods. So he can be listening. To, that's all he needs to bring with him now. He doesn't need to bring his phone with him. And the watch then is also doing tracking and GPS at the same time. Mm. So you can have like the standalone Overcast app on your phone or on your watch with podcasts on your watch, which is pretty cool. Nice. Yeah, I, I think just thought it was really interesting. I think that's I know a you, recent update to Overcast as well. I think it's maybe yes. only last week that came out. Yeah, it was. Yeah, because a lot of people were saying, I don't know, Marco doesn't... Um, have a great track history with the watch or you know he he eventually gets around to like you know adding a watch feature in he's a busy man no oh, yeah so i think the people are just more surprised than anything about that he did add it in he's too busy eyeing up hotties like you at all he was yeah yeah staring at, staring at me and taking our ad money <laughs> yeah i should have asked him to buy me a drink how do you want to talk about Ool at all baz um no. <laughs> Escape room, please. Oh, do you want me to talk about that? Yeah, you sent us a video or a video that contained a bit about the... Oh, I did, yeah. Some some guy made a video using that new app from Apple. I don't know what it's called. Clips. Um, clips. clips, yeah. Which, can I just point out in the last episode, um, I attributed magical qualities to clips that do not exist. <laughs> and that you can't actually record the screen. Was that you? Or me. Yeah. I think that was me. Because I told a client <laughs> a few days after recording, um, oh, if you want to record a video of the app we just developed for you, you can use clips. And then I downloaded clips and check her back. Damn it, there's no screen recording function. Email that goes, oh, sorry about sorry. that. Yeah. <laughs> Blame I, I was really excited about that. Cause like a mind virus, yeah. Yeah, QuickTime is a bit of a pain in the arse sometimes. Yeah, the Escape the Room game, it was only 15 minutes this year. Um, uh, I guess, yeah, I, I tried to remember bits and pieces of it. Uh, there, was a, there was a screen in one point and it had a 3D case, you know, built into it or built around it. And it had buttons on it, like old arcade buttons. So I saw a USB-C port in it. And I think it might have been my boss, Jason. He got, he had a floppy drive so floppy drive with usb to usb c and i had seen um a, uh, an, an old game what was it um oh what's that movie you know the, the meaning of life is 42 hitchhiker's hmm. guys yes hitchhiker's guide so there was that game and i think there you mean, was, what's that book sorry <clears throat> the book sorry they, they, this was a game uh <laughs> there and it had a floppy disk and i was like grand so they went away in that one what well, the other things was there was a stepping machine you know like an exercise machine and that was hooked up to a screen and every time you stepped it put a letter on the screen or like it went a b c d scroll through the letters and then if you hit a button you could start putting inputting the name of the new iphone and then when you did that, you got something. I missed. There was a hidden water bottle. I picked up, looked at it. Supposedly, if you open that. Um, so the idea is you're an intern inside in there. You have to be able to buy three companies that day. The cost of the companies have to equal 30 billion, 
so when you do is, that, you you're, can, you're basically like Tim Cook's assistant. Like you're Tim Cook's assistant, yeah. Yeah. So you're working in his office. And then once you buy the companies, you need to print out the form and then you need to stamp it. So one of the cool ones was that I figured out was um, there was a an iPhone. And with the iPhone, you need to you can use... Um, actually, I don't know how it worked because it, it was NFC. So there must be... I don't know how it actually worked. But you have to do... You have to tag on these NFC markers around the place. Once you figure out which companies you could buy but to get into the phone um or use the app there was a fingerprint scanner on it so there was some putty on the table and then over in another table there was a handprint um kind of like you know for the 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 walk of fame where people yeah. put their handprints into the things so it was like that so you got the stick you got the silly putty stuck it on the thumb and then you can use that to unlock the app um and uh, yeah, there was a few other things. So we'd gotten pretty close. We didn't get the printer ink and we didn't figure out what three companies to buy. I know that I've heard I was, I was on the Slack chat or the Slack group um, that someone did manage to escape. I don't know, is there a second go or what? Kind of like last year when we cheated and we went in for the second time and we won. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was kind of, it was it was quite fun. There was probably a few other things that were going on inside in there, but uh, they were the main ones anyway. Yeah, but it was good. It was good again this year. Um, and no news anyway, I guess, of if there'll be one next year or what's going on. But I think there will be. Cool. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, it was nice. You know, see a few people again that I'd seen there before. It's always nice to stay in Europe. It is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> night room was nice as the last time? Interior, yeah, but I didn't get a view. Uh, like, I, I got a good, I got an okay view, but like compared to last time where I was on the top floor kind of thing. Um, yeah, it wasn't the same. It was actually colder than November. It's really Cold sunny, but yeah, it was kind of weird. Anyway, that was cool. <laughs> I have some follow-up from the last episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, follow-up item number one. Uh, Apple's Pay stickers arrived. They were just nice. stickers. They weren't a cool thing like I thought. And in case any listeners are concerned that I am uh, abusing... Apple systems, they are now being proudly displayed at one of our listeners who owns a cafe in Limerick. Uh, Canteen, you should go there. Um, Yep, so Apple Pay stickers arrived, free stuff from Apple. Um, I have a mini review of the new iPad, because I got to check it out in the shop. Stickers. (laughs) (laughs) Go on. So I checked it out in our local Apple dealership, the new iPad. Um, Mm -hmm. It's nice. It's really weird, though, Apple making a product that's thicker than its predecessor. Much thicker? Yeah, noticeably in the hand. It's the same size as the iPad Air, so... And And do you think that's one of the reasons they dropped the Air moniker? Because they were like, well, we can't say that it's lighter and thinner if we make it bigger and heavier. (laughs) Yeah, the iPad fat-ass. Another piece of follow-up. Apparently, Apple are calling this iPad the iPad 5th generation. Okay. But apparently, there's an edit war going on on Wikipedia between people who think, like me, who think it should be the iPad 7. (laughs) I'd like Dave, who think it is the (laughs) iPad 5th generation. (laughs) Thanks, Apple. There you go. Um, So, yeah, new iPad fine. Macworld were complaining about slight flex in the screen um, that they said they also found with the iPad Air because it's... 
because the display is not laminated to the uh, screen, like there's a potential for a little bit of flex. I didn't notice it. Um, but yeah, it's grand. F-L-E-X or... Yeah. Okay, not F-L-E-C-K-S, like no. specs or something. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, <sighs> it doesn't, like, the laminate... I guess we missed it in the phones because the iPhone 4 was the first to have a laminated screen. Um, yeah. But... Because the 3GS is non-retina and the 4 was retina, like that was the bigger change yeah. maybe than the laminated screen. But it, like it does look cooler. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, I was impressed by it. I think it's super interesting that they're making a cheaper, bulkier model. And I guess, I don't know if it gives further evidence to my theory that like the Johnny Ive era at Apple is possibly coming to a close or at least he... He doesn't seem to have as much influence as he once did because it's hard to imagine, you know, his trend with the iPhones in particular making thinner, thinner, thinner all the time. Mm. So it was interesting. Did you see all the leaks for the new iPhone? Yeah. A lot of them, yeah. Yeah, so there's two conflicting ones. There's the one with the touch sensor on the back, um, which to me sounds horrible. And then the one that came out today was the... Um, no, uh, I guess no touch sensor on the back, but the camera is now sideways with the two cameras, which I think makes more sense if you're taking landscape images. I'm not sure if you're doing the depth effect stuff, but um, yeah, hopefully there's no fingerprint scanner on the back. Oh, I, is it one? Do you think it's one of those things where they put out leaks and then see what the internet reaction is, and then kind of go, okay, well we're going to use. The one that people hate uh, less. <laughs> Possibly, because, but, like, it, it's ridiculous. I use, like, anyone who uses their iPhone, you have it on your desk, you press the button, and you, you know, you don't actually pick it up, and you have mm-hmm. to physically pick up the device to unlock it then to to just look at something. You know, I mean, oh, big deal, picking up the phone, but, you know, I think it really changes things and as well i think it makes it a lot more prone to scratches and stuff if some of that sensors on the back it sounds doesn't it feel like compared to previous years that things are a bit messy with the iphone at the moment there just seems lots of kind of conflicting rumors or something like that yeah i mean like i think even just uh, i was thinking back to the state of how we literally used to know absolutely nothing yeah. until yeah. the gizmodo iphone 4 kind of incident and then do you know, after that, since that, it's kind of, I don't know, is it kind of loosened up a bit? And, you know, even leaving out leaks, you've Apple talking about the future with the, the Mac Pros that we talked about in the last episode. So I'd say that it could be, um, I'd say that it could be a, a little campaign of uh, misinformation from some places. Or it's put out by the suppliers that accidentally leaked it to cover their asses. <laughs> Question for you guys. Is there any scenario that would result in you buying a new phone this year? No. Winning the lottery, perhaps. <laughs> Baz? Um, yeah, maybe, you know. Okay. But they I do was, something was, amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was fortunate enough to get a free phone last year. So, I, I, you know, I still have an upgrade due on my contract and stuff like that. So, I was lucky enough that I was, I was able to kind of skip... Um, what did I have? I had the six, so it's been yeah, it's been a long time since I've had to put money into a phone. I guess. Um, I am definitely buying something. My should my five S is dying. Uh, so you infamously <laughs> gave back the six. Six S, famously, I don't know. Six S. 
Um, All right, success. Okay. So, yeah, I'm hoping that a bezel shrink will make the six size more palatable for my tiny uh, ladylike hands. I I don't think there. I think you're going to see um, a seven S seven S plus, and then possibly an eight. Yeah, or a, a ten, which seems to a ten maybe the, yeah. the, the iPhone X, like um, yeah, because it is the the tenth anniversary, like so. I don't know. It's kind of it's yet more kind of um product categories that that Apple are entering into. So, like, tech, assuming all of the rumors come true with regards to the to the actual products that are released, we'll have a seven S, seven S Plus. We'll have an SE or possibly an updated SE, I doubt it though. And we'll have uh, a previous gen phone, uh, a 7, and then we'll have some kind of a 10 and mm-hmm. a 10 plus. I guess, like leaving the SE out of it, because it's a bit of an anomaly, um, we were just talking about the iPad and they finally sort of sorted out their iPad line a bit in terms of kind of basically. Oh, I guess actually keeping the SE for years, Apple have done a good, better, best thing with mm-hmm, their phones. Yeah. So maybe, well, sorry, with their other devices like their Macs, um, and maybe uh, either better, best, or good, better, best makes business sense to them. I don't know. Well, you just know first of all that their profit margins on anything are ridiculous and you can be guaranteed that the profit margin on an iphone um special edition or an iphone edition which is what we've heard rumors about haven't we do you know like they were going to build it bring out a ceramic phone like the watch edition that was 10 grand or something um which this could be so it could instead of the iphone 10 it could be the the iphone edition or something that's mm-hmm. made out of actual real gold um which is just what you want and <laughs> basically like i don't know i think it's it's interesting there's going to be a lot of a lot of profit made they know people are going to buy it yeah yeah because the 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 samsung looks pretty sexy the s8 just a screen on it you know yeah actually that's something that i was thinking about with the laminated display so um we use again force touch or 3d whatever it's called um 3d touch fairly like all the time now it's it's a feature of the phone and mm-hmm. if i went if i went back to a, a six or whatever i'd probably break the screen and <laughs> accidentally press it and have things happen i'm wondering like does the screen need to be laminated for that now not not from a technical point of view but from an actual user point of view like if you wanted to put pressure on that ipad fifth generation um would uh you know, does the the screen not being laminated change the experience of that? Because I do get the feeling when I'm actually using the the three D touch that I'm actually interacting with the screen almost as a physical object mm. directly. You know, and is that something? Is that another kind of uh, reason that they're not going to bring it back? That they're not going to bring it to the iPad and are going to essentially, I suppose, keep it for the actual Apple Pencil on the the Pro models. Yeah, and and actually sort of whatever about force touch the the apple pencil would probably feel nasty as well um you're right i think there's a yeah a, a, a huge difference with a laminated screen in terms of feeling like you're uh 
yeah, you're directly manipulating stuff. See, I don't know what I'm going to buy this year. I, my hand, uh, uh, my hand, my hand might be forced if uh, the posh phone is the one that kind of removes the bezel and is therefore smaller in the hand. Mm. Like I might just end up got the. This is the year that I'm going to buy loads of Apple Apple stuff, lads. I stayed quiet yeah. all through 2016 while uh, there was purchasing going on, but this year is going to be my year. So, Good. earlier this week, I secretly placed an order for some AirPods. Oh, nice. Oh, not Good mm. stuff. For me, though. Right. Oh, okay. So, so Sheila, my wife, who does actually listen to this podcast, but I think she's a few episodes behind, so <laughs> we'll see if she gets the spoiler alert of the AirPods first. Um, but she's really, really into her audiobooks, and... She is going through about one pair of petrol station fake pods per month until they give up uh, because she's literally sort of, you know, some days she'd be eight hours listening to her books. So I think they'd be perfect for her. Um, So, yeah. Cool. Yeah, more to that, definitely. So... Yeah, because like that's that's the weak point in all of the cheap headphones. Even Apple's headphones, like, I mean, I actually have a pair of ear pods that the right earphone is gone in, but do you know, and it's the the bloody the lightning adapter. Like, there's no way I'm going to spend whatever money it is to get an actual official. Wow, so your other, other side of them, your headphones that you got with your iPhone have broken already. Yeah, Jesus, wired though. It's just do you know, I mean, like you you accidentally pull them out of your pocket wrong, and they're, oh, they're that's gone. That's so annoying. Um. So yeah, so going to get the AirPods. Uh, if they work for Sheila, I'll probably get a pair for myself. I am also going to place an order this evening for an Apple Watch. Mm. Hmm. So For yourself? W- sorry? For you? Yes, I'm going to buy myself one. Okay. <laughs> I was worried that you weren't going to get anything for yourself. No, no, no don't know, worry, very, don't worry. So help me choose. I'm gonna get the smaller one again because I'm. Did you try on? I know we were out yesterday with Mike. Did you try on Mike's one? I didn't try on his one, but I I sent you guys a photo of me trying on the two sizes in the shop. And Baz, did you? Yep. When you had one, <laughs> Baz had us muted on yeah. the game. <laughs> Pretty much, I haven't been looking at it. <laughs> You're missing some comedy gold oh, in our group look, chat. Oh, I see it now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, don't you agree? Looking at that photo, it does look big on your wrist. Yeah, yeah. it does. Okay. I mean, it, it, you've you borrowed Baz's for a while. I did. Yeah, um, I had it for a week he, when he had one. Like, what were your use cases for it? Like, I mean, you're not reading n- novels on it. Like, you know. Yeah, which which brings me, which is a good question actually about use cases, and that why have I decided now that I want to get one? Yeah. Um. So, and Jesus, lads, talk about like you know, forcing to eat, eat, eat making commitments on the, the podcast, and then forcing to eat them, <laughs> being forced to eat them later. But it's kind of. A fitness thing, or at least a health thing, mm-hmm. I would say, rather than fitness. So, I guess in a few weeks, I'm going to talk to you guys about my circumstances are changing a little bit. But um, the the relevant part to our story is that I'm going to be um, 
changing my location of work where uh, it's about five kilometers away from where I live. And I think I'm going to actually walk to work. It's going to take about an hour. And I'm just, I guess I'd like to be a little bit healthier. And I thought I'd be really interested in kind of like heart rate metrics over time to see like, does this amount of exercise actually move the uh, the dial at all in terms of my resting heart rate and stuff so that was my big kind of motivator that if I get one now I'm also I have also uh, ordered on Amazon a um, what you call it like a vaping kit so I'm a cigarette smoker so vaping initial what <laughs> I'll send you on the video later <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be a vape prick Yeah Maybe I don't know No try it definitely <clears throat> I Like yeah I, I'm a very heavy cigarette smoker um, And probably I should not So again you know this has a, an effect on your heart rate So yeah I'm kind of interested in this stuff And I thought well I know it's a lot of money but I'm kind of interested in adding some data and I wouldn't be interested in the Fitbit or anything like that. So, Yeah, I think you're right on them anyway because even like I had the job on oh, yeah. and by all accounts they seem to be gone or something. Like there's oh. people having big problems with them. Um, also, you are, uh, well, I don't know if you're an avid bicyclist, but you do own a fancy bike. I do own a fancy bike. And there is ample bike laneage what do you think about that are you gonna stick to the um i'm gonna start with to the walk i'm gonna start with walking and if i sleep in or if i get bored of the walk i will cycle um so uh, either way my route will be along a river um super nice so yeah i yeah oh so you'd go the same way yeah right? exactly yeah. so i'm gonna get a series one because yep. i don't think I mean, we discussed it when they announced the Series 2, but basically, from my memory of our conversation, Series 2 gets you GPS in a brighter screen, most of which I'm not that interested in, so I'd be happy with the the Series 1. Yeah, and considering they brought the processor upgrades to the Series yes. 1, or to the to whatever, that's that's. Perfect. And I'm going to get the small yeah. one. So basically, I'm, I'm kind of like I'm a bit budget conscious, so I'm looking to spend the minimum I can on this. So, Dave, you're into your watches, right? And given I'm only getting... Yep. Sorry, go on. No, go on. Sorry, I was just saying yes. Um, into my watches. So, aesthetics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm shopping the base. So, that's my... I have four choices, I think, at this price point. So, silver case white band, space grey black band... Rose gold with pink band or gold with midnight blue, which is their new offering. Gold with midnight blue. Hmm. Yeah, that's the the gold with midnight blue. If you like goldy watches, that's what I'd go for. But um, so I, I would be torn. I am torn between the, the space gray with the black strap and the the gold with the the blue. Than midnight blue or whatever. The gold is really subtle, so I like my 
wedding ring is platinum like i i i i I don't like gold i wouldn't wear gold but it's super subtle i love gold and blue as well though do you know yeah like Mm. it's it's not if it was gold with a gold chain or a gold uh (laughs) bracelet um gold chain chain. on your wrist um i wouldn't personally go for it but it is it's almost i don't know what you'd call it it's almost uh, do you know the way you have the it's kind of brushed gold or something for lack of a better better word you know it's not like shiny Mm. you're uh, almost like a yellow tinged silver like it's super subtle like in the the product photos in the apple site it looks way stronger than it is yeah like I mean, from a distance, you'd be hard pressed to tell. I'd say some days whether it was the the silver or not. Will I go? For, will I go for that one? Well, here's the thing: like you can always, first of all, you can always change the band, which I've no doubt that you will. Um, Sixty quid though. For, ah, yeah, but not on AliExpress. Um, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Can you get fake bands? Oh, yeah, tons of them. Oh, yeah, but they're not like sensors in the. No, there's nothing. Uh, oh, no, really? Yeah. Oh. Fake bands on the fake podcast. Well, you could buy you could buy like a hundred for sixty quid. Really? So <laughs> you can buy you can buy bulk like they they will. I remember looking at them before. You can just buy like a pack of ten or five or something, you know, and they'll send you different colored ones. So the the image the link I just sent you guys. There's like mm. a, a sort of metal disc. Um, that's just the, that's on the other side of it. Yeah. Is, um it's just a, the insert for the hole for the sizing. Uh, that's all it is. It's kind of like um, the button, a button, I suppose. Yeah. So okay. basically, buttony. Mm, oh no, this has made m- my life more difficult because maybe mm. if I had a choice, then like I probably wouldn't go for the gold. I like the black one, but I suppose that's the expensive one, is it? Yeah. Well, no. Well, they have a black one for the three forty nine. Space gray. Space gray. Space gray. Yeah. <laughs> Apple straps are 60 euros each. Jesus. Yeah. So it's kind of like you could buy a cheap one, see what it's like, and then if you did like it and wanted to get an official Apple one, you could do it that way. But I'd always recommend it. A lot of people on um, on Reddit would talk about, on the Apple Watch, the um, like even the, the metal, um, the metal uh, straps. <clears throat> They'll have reviews on what ones they think are good and stuff like that. Because they can be 500 quid, you know? Wow. So, okay. The linked one. Decision time, because otherwise I'll just be thinking about this all night. Do you think I should go for the blue and gold one? No. Dave? Be a devil, go on. Baz, I kind of have to... Like, I do think Dave is our in-house watch expert. Mm. I own... I do own a watch. Um, I don't. One whole I watch. just. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. You sure? Twenty eight days return. What color right? watch at the moment? Uh, I have a Casio analog watch that cost me, I think, eleven euros, uh, and it's black with a white face. Hmm. See, I think my problem with the Apple—not a problem, but like the overriding feature of or, or color of the Apple Watch in its resting state, is black. Mm. Mm. And, like, I think, like, when I just see an Apple Watch off on a wrist, it's kind of meh, unless it's the black one, because you're just going around with a big 
patch of blackness on your wrist. Should I go for a space gray and black then? Rose gold. Done. Because <sighs> actually, I, 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 I'd half filled out my address. I, I'd actually click buy when you get the go. Yeah. Uh, should we all meet in in the shop and have you try them on and model them for See, us? See, I actually went to uh, buy one yesterday. I went into the shop. Um, but they didn't have uh-huh. any um, small ones. So, of any color. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you, go with the golden you have, what, 14 days to return it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. I think the black is too severe if you're wearing business casual. I'm all about business um, casual. I know. I think the rose gold, just, you know, we won't go into that. <laughs> um so, uh, do you know, even I think just in terms of normal dress, I think the, I think the gold and the, the blue is nice. But yeah, we'll see. Send Thomas an email as to what, <laughs> what, what you think he should get. Riveting stuff. Good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're buying yourself a yeah. Yeah, treats for me. And your toy. Mm-hmm. So talk amongst yourselves while I fill in my address, or not. We'll be quiet so we can hear you actually mumble your address. <laughs> and like, yeah, just, uh, Credit card details, 4319. Oh. <laughs> oh my God, how did you know? I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lads. So, um, yeah, a lot of other news this week. I mean, I don't really want to go into it at all because it's on another podcast. So you had Apple's um, vice president of like Earth Day um, on the talk show with John Gruber. And I think it... Did you listen to any of it? I did, yeah. But as I said, um, you know, so Lisa Jackson, um, Apple's Vice President of Environment, Policy and Social Initiatives. So for an Earth Day discussion of the state of Apple's environmental efforts. So, um, yeah, basically pretty good listen. And again, you know, just the the bite is there from uh, his summary is their goal to create a closed loop supply chain where, you know, they can be manufactured entirely from recycled materials, which I think is amazing if they get to it. They've previously talked about that Liam robot um, Mm. in that that period where all the weird robots got Irish names um, that that very weird week uh, last year. And they've actually made, is it they've used... The reclaimed aluminium from the iPhone sixes to make um, Mac Minis or something like that to use, to make the cases for Mac Minis. So basically, the product that Apple don't care about. Yeah, and they're making new versions of it from a product that was released after it. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's worth a listen. There's no point in going into it here because if anyone listens to both of them, they'll just be even even border. Um, that's just too much facts. I do think it's cool though. Like this is seems to be a thing they're serious about. Um, they seem like in terms of like all leading tech companies, they really are trying to be at the forefront of things. That's cool. I think you know, like yeah. Um, it's something that isn't, it's not an obvious win, like it's a politically d- divisive subject, so they're they're clearly clear enough about it that they that it seem not to mind if there's a, 
you know, uh, an impact in sales. So that's kind of cool, I think. That's it. And again, like, I mean, we don't know their their supply chain or whatever it, in the long run. I'm sure that'll be cheaper because there is, if you take a look in America now, there's the, the iPhone upgrade program. Yes. Which uh, we don't have here, but basically you pay a monthly fee and you just get the new iPhones whenever they're whenever they're released. And at the end of that time, I assume you return it to to Apple or to, to whoever like, so they can make a, a judgment call as to what to do with it at that point. Cool. Whether they sell it refurb or, or whatever. I think it's an interesting kind of take. Um, I don't want to say it's kind of Tim Cook coming into his own, but it, it these kind of initiatives do seem to be one of the things that separate Apple from the, the the reign of Steve Jobs, so to speak. You know, he reinstated the charity matching almost immediately. They're kind of doubling down on the privacy and, um, you know, the, the environmental stance. They're all, I think... Yeah, it's... They're all interesting and they're all, they're all good, you know. Yeah, it's kind of like it doesn't it wouldn't sort of necessarily persuade you to choose an iphone or an android but it certainly is something you know we're a heavy user of apple products and given that they're doing the right thing here that feels good right yep and i've just given them apple doing good so exactly. i don't know. <laughs> and i've just yeah. given them an extra 350 euros to uh do good with so the order is off yeah excellent um so just uh, as opposed to taking on from the, the you know the the Tim Cook style things with Apple uh I suppose doubling down on privacy and stuff there was the actual um article in the New York Times that you you sent on Thomas and it uh details an exchange between uh Tim Cook and Kalanick, is it? Travis, yeah. TK, as he's known in yeah. Uber, apparently. Hmm. So it's Uber CEO plays with fire. Travis Kalanick's drive to win in life has led to a pattern of risk-taking that has at times put his ride-hailing company on the brink of implosion. And that's just out today. So what did you make of it, Thomas? Yeah, I think Uber a sleazy company. Um your man, Travis, I, I'm going to try and avoid mispronouncing his surname. Um, he just seems like one of these Silicon Valley bros um, that are full of bullshit and kind of don't seem to have any ethical moral core at all. I, I thought it was, I mean, we've had the last three months a kind of a really constant... Um, sort of rate of exposés about uber the crappy things they do um and i guess yeah so i i enjoyed it i feel a bit weird because uber have a customer service base here in limerick and our hometown uh so you know but uh yeah yeah, i just think they're a horrible company Mm. there's a few um i suppose uh troubling things in the the article um uh which so i I suppose it's more to do with the reporting of them than them itself so um 
the paragraph it's the it's the the second paragraph for months um mr kalanick had pulled a fast one on apple by directing his employees to help camouflage the ride hailing app from apple's engineers the reason so apple would not find out that uber had been secretly identifying and tagging iphones even after its app had been deleted and the device erased a fraud detection maneuver that violated apple's privacy and guidelines or apple's privacy guidelines i could be wrong but the wording on that seems to have changed since I read the article oh, this morning. Oh, wow. Um, so, secretly identifying and tagging iPhones even after its app had been deleted. That's fine, but this morning it had said secretly tracking yes. iPhones even after yes. its app, yes. app had been deleted. So, that was published. Then the um, reporter or the writer, Mike Isaac, kind of clarified that on Twitter, to which people were like, Do you know, there wasn't a 140 character limit on the article so why does that Mm. tiny little clarification have to be on twitter and it was immediately like it was this like even as a as an ios developer i was like wow when i read it i was like how the hell did they get away with that do you know what what were they doing and then like they essentially like it's nowhere near what the the kind of inflammatory thing that it was at the start when i read it and it's just um identifying and tagging iphones even after its app had been deleted apple used to provide a mechanism for doing that then they stopped uber made their own one it's not as nefarious as it sounds i know it's it's uber so like let's all shit in them but you know i don't think i don't know i don't like it yeah it wasn't as bad as as they first um indicated no i think it was done i think it was done to i think it was done for for controversy like you know um um, Still, though, what they did do, and I, I, I don't know, did this also change, Dave, with the article when they updated it? But they, there's a piece at the very end that talks about them. They geofenced some features uh, around the collecting the unique device ID. So they wouldn't work if the device was basically in Cupertino. <laughs> yeah. So, So I guess that... Yeah, that's not great, right? No, definitely, definitely not. Like, I mean, do you know? Um, so, I, I, I think. Look, it's it's something that Apple used to, and you know, from, uh, you know, from reading the the article or whatever, you know, they they took the MAC address or they took something. They did, you know, they did something to figure it out, and they're not the only people doing this. And it sounds like they were doing it to deal with uh, fraud, you know. So I can understand they're like I not defending them, and I don't want to be tracked in this way. And I would never write the code myself, but it's something that used to be done willy-nilly everywhere. Um, then Apple started cracking down on it, and Uber were doing it. Apparently, I could be wrong, but just to stop fraud. Um, Uber drivers would create dozens of fake email addresses to sign up for new rider accounts attached to each phone, request rides, and accept. And Uber was handing out incentives. So they did that to stop the the drivers creating fake accounts and logging in on the same phone the whole time. So the other, I think for me, the other big accusation that I hadn't heard before um, is, and it's not actually related to Uber, it's, it's kind of a third party. So there's a, an analytics, analytics service called Slice Intelligence. 
which amongst other things owns an email digest service called unroll.me and basically this slice intelligence collected its customers emailed lift receipts from their inboxes and sold the anonymized data to uber which i mean you could say oh uber shouldn't have bought that data but uh you know, it, it was another company that was actually doing the sort of creepy collection of stuff. Yeah, and again, just in there, you know, Unroll.me is a free service, and, you know, they got to make money somehow. It is in the terms of service. Um, if you're not paying money, you're the product, not the customer. That's it, you know. So pay, pay for software, people. That's it. Paying for software is nice. So, um... Yeah, so, but, like, people are piling on to Uber at this stage. It's been, what, like, about two months since the Susan Fowler thing, which kind of, for me, kicked the whole thing off, or was the first in the most recent sort of list of Uber stuff. Yeah, but, you you, you know, there'd been murmurings, but this is the start of an all-out, um, I suppose, media assault on Uber at this stage. Mm-hmm. Which sounds like it's been a long time coming. I think for me, uh, the the kind of one of the bad things for me about Uber is almost like the example of success it shows. You know, like it's hardly a very good role model, I guess, for tech making the world a better place. That's it. But like, what is a better place? Like, you know, cheaper taxis, more taxis, and their again, their stated end goal is. Uh, the driverless cars or whatever. Yes, although they're a bit uh, sketchy about that as well, weren't they? Yeah, more more stuff coming out about it. And yeah. they nicked all the stuff from Google. Yeah. Oh well, poor Uber, not going great for them at the moment. Um, speaking of Susan Fowler, did I uh, did either of you guys see th- what? She went to produce at Stripe. Did either of you guys read it? Nope. Uh, didn't get a chance to read it, but I read about it, and I, I took a kind of glance through the, the table of contents. It's kind of nice. So Susan Fowler, engineer, um, pretty good engineer. Like, I think she's written an O'Reilly book. Uh, yeah, the microservices one, yeah. So left over, um, pointed out, and wrote a blog post, I suppose, talking about you know, bad culture inside there. Anyway, basically it was hired by Stripe and has come out with this uh, really great thing. It reminded me of um, obc.io. Do you remember the lads in Germany? Um, it was kind of like a mag- um, kind of monthly magazine type thing. Yep. Um, that was very good. So I, I quite like these kind of slightly more in-depth stuff. So uh, anyway, she's gone to Stripe started this kind of how do you call it like a monthly in-depth tech magazine that's online the first edition is on um i don't know what you call it uh like operations for like online services and what to do when they go down would that be a fair yeah being on call i suppose is the on call is the the title of that issue or something yeah um increment sorry uh i think i might have called it intercept um but yeah, super cool. Skype seem really to be, sorry, Stripes really seem to be kind of trying to position themselves almost as like the opposite of Uber in the public eye, and that they almost like 
seem to be trying to be seen as like the the really cool tech company. Yeah, and I think they're succeeding. Yeah, <laughs> like this is an example of something where like there's no direct benefit to them, but they seem to be doing it in a really honest way. Like that there is there really is no benefit. It's just reputational. Um, you know, they don't talk about Stripe at all in this issue. Um, yeah, just think it's really cool. Um, so it's nice. I think it's cool. And the only mention of Stripe on the page is at the end, copyright 27, increment a Stripe publication. There you go. That's what you want. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I just think it's interesting how, again, they kind of, well, for the inaugural issue anyway, they focused all around the one topic. Yes. You know, so it's kind of, you know, industry best, best practices around on-call and incident response. So interesting enough kind of kind of take on it. I don't know, do I have it in me to read an entire magazine about that? But I'm sure that as I come across these kinds of problems, they'll be there to, to read. So the moral of the story is basically hire developers from Limerick to build the next unicorn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they bought indie hackers. I was trying to think the other reasons Stripe were in the Oh yeah, and they hired uh Patrick McKenzie as well. Yeah. Patio eleven on Hacker News. Um And again, sort of in both cases it was very much we just kinda want you to continue what you're doing. Especially the indie hackers one, you know. They're That's it, yeah. And they have the reputation where like if kind of Google or Apple or Microsoft bought something, you'd be like, oh, yeah, it's going to get shuttered. But with Stripe, they've such a good reputation that I read that they were crying indie hackers. I'm like, great, this is gonna, you know, it's just going to become better, you know. So, uh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, no, delighted for them. I think um, just really good all around. It kind of reminds me of because uh, uh, Hacker News have the macro as well um oh yes that's right which is i think they they kind of publish it It, it's i don't know how they publish it but um they've started something like this and it all kind of reminds me of um i suppose these are a bit more technical but do you remember the magazine by again marco yes yeah that was I, i thought that was very interesting at the time um subscribed to that loved getting the new issues um then he sold it and then it it shut down but just nice kind of long form writing about tech or related issues you know in a nice centralized place so yeah cool have we got anything else in our list for tonight we don't really have a list i guess uh, you is, is it is it time to go to 11 oh yes this is a nice article. Um, I got this from Longform. I must mention Longform before on the podcast. Uh, it's curated sort of list of long German journalism articles. Um, and this is a story about the... So, Baz, have you seen Spinal Tap? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, this is an article um, about the bassist... Uh, from Spinal Tap. Um, so it's in uh, an article on Bloomberg. Mm-hmm. Um, and He's your man from The Simpsons, is he? 
Yes. So this is the bit I didn't know. So the the bassist, a guy called Harry Shearer, who also kind of co-wrote the uh, the film with the other guys, um, ended up doing like loads of voices on The Simpsons. So he's Montgomery Burns, he's Ned Flanders, and Principal Skinner. Um, so yeah, incredible career. Like it's just amazing. Um. Yeah, that was the first kind of interesting fact. And just the second one was just, uh, he's made so much money from The Simpsons um, that they basically got completely screwed over in their contract with the movie studio. And apparently this happens all the time, but basically nobody ever sues because if you sue, like people say, you'll just never work in this town again. Whereas he's got loads of money from Fox from doing The Simpsons. So he's like, I don't care. I just want my money. So uh yeah, he's um looks like it's going to be a landmark uh, court case um for them to try and get their royalties. So, interesting. Yeah, well worth the read and well worth the watch if you haven't if you haven't seen it. I think that the whole concept of the Hollywood accounting is very very interesting. Mm. Um how you know some of the biggest movies ever have still recorded a loss somehow like The Lord of the Rings. <laughs> uh and you know you know, yeah. Uh, big ones subsidize the the hundreds of of failures like but they don't get they don't really get treated as individual entities on the balance sheet and i think that's why um was it the original star wars um alec guinness is it as you mm-hmm. know you know this um yeah he signed on to it for a percentage of the box office as opposed no to way. as opposed to a percentage of the actual profit which would mm. have, which would have technically been zero um you know so there's that kind of thing as well where they promise people a percentage of the profit and no one gets the the profit who's got a uh, making us happy um i've got one deadly um no it's just at a at a wedding uh, this weekend it's good because it brings back just brings back a group of people and this one was just kind of a group of people from that i'd met about seven years ago and we don't really ever get back together that often you know people are just in different countries and stuff like that so it was nice it's just it's always nice when you get to see people like i saw one of my friends now haven't seen her in four years so that was very very nice so these are mostly college friends or from around Um, that time yeah from around that time kind of just after college for me um and yeah it's always great when you can have an event that brings everyone together because none of us have really seen each other anyway that, that often outside of things so it's just one of those i know it's, it's nothing new you know that's what weddings are but uh this one was particularly good uh, a good group of people you know i hadn't seen in a long time so that was nice you guys <laughs> i i have a very tiny thing um which kind of <laughs> <laughs> links to tech news um so Apple this week announced they were they're finally making all their all their Mac apps free, um, mm. which didn't matter to us because we own our own Macs, so we got like Numbers and Pages and Keynote um, and iMovie and GarageBand when we just because we when we bought our Macs. But in work, I'm using a Mac that. Uh, I'm not the first user of, so I didn't have any of those apps, and now I do, so that's nice. Thank you, Apple. Yeah, actually, I kind of wondered how many people would be 
bitten by that or stuck by that or whatever because it's tied to the is it tied to the first account yeah that downloads them on the hardware is it or something yeah. like that yeah all right oh, i wasn't even aware of this yeah. um see so yeah, as you got it at work because you got a new laptop mm. um but otherwise yeah you wouldn't have probably has an work apple id though yes yeah that is yeah that's how that's how they get you <laughs> So, um, for me, this week I dug into the archives of programming books and dug out the Mythical Man Man Month uh, by Fred Brooks, um, which I nearly always called the Mythical Man Moth, which I think is a very different book um, mm-hmm. about a giant moth. But um, this book is essentially, like, it's it's probably 40 years old at this stage, Um I know I have like the 20th anniversary edition, which was published in like 1995 or something. And the thing is, I just can't get over how much of the book um, is is still like amazingly, amazingly relevant today. And I think it was one of our previous conversations about um, management tactics and stuff that 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 got me to to dig it out, and it goes into you know it covers the the 10x programmer all that sort of stuff um ridiculously so back in 1975 basically you know um and you know the central theme of the book is that it's it's brooks law um you know basically adding manpower to a late project makes it later and you know, it's um, it's it's one of the books that I think everyone says they've read or something, but no one actually, everyone conveniently forgets the lessons of the book when you yes. actually go to write software. Um, you know, so the the mythical man month, the the titular mythical man month, basically is the idea that two women can't have one baby in four and a half months <laughs> and it's pretty much the same with with software um basically just the the overhead of communication between people um it just it creates overhead and that you can't just add two people and or double the the people working on it and have it have it um have it work you know and it also talks about um I can't remember. It's in one of the first, one of the first essays, and it's like um, uh, one developer can get this done in this amount of time, and then it had a grid, and it's like, but if you want it correctly engineered, if you want reusable, if you want all these things, there's a factor of three for each one of them. So if you actually want a well-engineered piece of software that integrates the system and does all this thing, that it's nearly nine times as much effort for the one developer to do that than it is for the one developer to not do that which i think rings true in a lot of a lot of cases certainly does yep <clears throat> i shall i shall remain nameless um <laughs> crap <laughs> crap um so i think if you have any notions of working on projects with other developers if you have there should be national buy this for your manager day where people buy this book and give it to their manager and then give them a quiz a week after to see if they actually read it. <laughs> um, 
you know, it's very much dealing with the the human elements of um, of software. Do you know, it's not about any of the the other stuff. Um, yeah, like you don't. I mean, you don't have to be a programmer to to read it. And actually, I think perhaps some of the lessons are also uh, applicable to other like intellectual disciplines. Um, oh, definitely. Like, and I mean, it's it's just entertaining. Uh, as a book in general, you know, I think it's definitely worth worth a read, even if it is um, forty two years old. Things don't things don't change that much. The the, the mythical man month also applies to JavaScript frameworks. <laughs> um, so it, it also um, kind of reminds me of something that I saw on Twitter that absolutely terrified me. Um, because I just can see myself, I can see this being quoted back to me um, by some manager in the future or someone. And uh, basically, uh, Paul Graham of Y Combinator is basically, he was tweeting about um, startups and how they kind of write code or whatever and basically i'm looking for the exact tweet now but it was that you can edit out this silence here thomas while i scroll (laughs) did you uh, get this from there was a hack news thread this month um somebody uh posted it was a blog post basically saying like all the shite stuff about how software is made at the moment um, and, you know, JavaScript frameworks, et cetera, et cetera. The hacker, hacker news discussion was really interesting because it's basically split in two with the young lads going, what do you mean there's a problem with having loads of JavaScript frameworks? What do you mean React is insane? It's great. And, yeah. And, yeah, it's funny. It's like, uh, as well, like, you know, there's the weekly Let's Bash C programming thread on Hacker News as well at this stage, you know. It's it's kind of it's almost funny in its in its predictability about about a lot of these issues. Um, so this is Paul Graham again, who you know, Y Combinator uh, runs Hacker News or did anyway. Um, so interestingly, incurring technical debt tends to be the optimal strategy for individuals as well as startups. Technical debt is bad, but more often than not, optimal. That's depressing. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, oh man. Oh man, that's five hundred and ninety-four hearts and two hundred and fifty-four retweets. Um, it is depressing, and the thing is, like that, I think we need we need to stop giving people excuses. We need to stop having important people like Paul Graham say that. Yeah, it's optimal, do you know? Because if someone comes to you and they're like, "Well, do you know if you try and have a, a conversation with your manager who?" has notions and reads hacker news but isn't a developer or whatever or follows paul graham because they they wanted their startup to be uh mm. white combinator alumni of which even in our small town there's probably like at least 20 that i could name um hmm. you know to get this i can see this someone like going technical debt and the minute you bring it up they're like oh it's optimal now and it's just it's a hand wavy way to to excuse it all so just just if they do that, just be armed with your copy of the Mythical Man Month to slap them around the head with. There you go. Wise words. 